0: Well, praise the Lord. You know, they say thin is in, but fat's where it's at. So, (laughs) well, it's good to be back here again tonight. And uh, we just praise the Lord for the opportunity that we've been given. And I want to say thank you so much for the uh, invitation uh, that you gave us today to uh, stay for uh, the lunch for your pastor. And uh, what a blessing it was. Good food, good fellowship, and uh, just a good time. Amen. And uh, we praise the Lord for that. I'm going to ask you uh, tonight if you would take the word of God and turn with us to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. That's right after Galatians chapter (laughs) 1. Galatians chapter 2. And we're going to look down to verse 20 there. And then, uh, holding your finger there, we're going to look back over to chapter 1 and a few verses there. But right now, let's look down to verse 20. And I'm going to ask you if you would stand tonight as we read in reverence to the Lord. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, the Word of Christ, the Word of God says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What a great blessing that is to know tonight. That our Lord and Savior gave himself for us and he loved us. Amen. We were singing about that a while ago, weren't we? How much he loves us and how much he cares for us, and he does. Uh, Now if you would, go ahead and take your Bible and turn over to... uh, Uh, Chapter 1, let's look at verse 15 and 16 there. Verse 15 states, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went unto Arabia and returned again unto Damascus let's go to the Lord and a word of prayer at this time now heavenly father we come now and approach your throne of grace we praise you father because of who you are realize God today once again that you are holy and father we that come before thee we must remember that father we like Isaiah we are people of unclean lips and We just thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to enter into your throne room tonight. And we praise you, Father, because we realize that, Lord, you have given your best to us. And, Father, we need to give our best back to thee. And so we ask now that you might take charge here tonight. Work in this lesson tonight, Father. Help us, Lord, as we try to bring forth this word. And, Father, may it rest in the hearts of our people here. And, Lord, may they take it back home with them and Lord, tell it to people that they come in contact with and be encouraged by it as well. And Father, may souls be saved because of this precious word tonight. We ask now, Father, that you would take charge. Lord, this is your service. And Father, we present ourselves unto thee, Father. Lord, use us, put us in your hands, Father, as the clay and mold us. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory for all these things we do ask in Jesus' name. And for his sake alone, amen. All right, you may be seated tonight. One thing that I have tried to tell people since God saved me and called me into the ministry was that we needed to make sure that we had the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Now, to be able to have the mind of Christ, you have to have Christ living inside of you. And sometimes it's hard for us as human beings, uh, not being God or godly, if you will, to have the mind of Christ within us. And so we have to be taught those things. We have to look into his word to find the truth and the reality of what God wants us to have in that understanding of having the mind of Christ. Paul, the apostle, we mentioned something to you about him this morning. I believe Paul was probably the greatest apostle, one of the greatest missionaries our world has ever seen. And um, I'll be honest with you, if I could just be a fraction of what Paul was uh, to the Lord and what he was to this world, it would be a great blessing to me. I think Paul was a man that uh, as he stated to uh, the world that as much as he breathed out threatenings against the church then he did that much more for God. And what a great blessing it is to know and understand that God can use us in that form and that fashion and no matter how bad we are, no matter how bad we have become that God can take us and turn us around and use us for such great good. But that only happens when Christ is in you. When Christ is in us. Uh, Paul uh, tells us there in verse 20, he says again, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. What he was simply saying was every single day he felt in his life that he was crucified with Christ. He had to always nullify the sins of the flesh. He had to always put down those things which he knew was wrong. He knew the right thing to do, but sometimes the wrong thing was there and he had to make sure that those things were down because he was living for Christ now and Christ lived in him. And you and I tonight as a child of God, we must do that very same thing. We must realize tonight that Christ, if we are saved, that Christ lives within us. And there are things every single day that attack us and, and plague us. There are sins that bother us. Um, I was told, I don't know if this is true or not, but years and years ago when I was in college, I I read a a book and it said that uh, the human mind commits 83 million sins a day just in your mind. That's a lot to have to go to the God about and, and ask for forgiveness. Now, 83 million, sometimes we don't remember two or three that we did that day, do we? But we sin, don't we? And we do things that's wrong and and even though we try not to, we, we still find ourselves in, in a place where that, there, there's wrongdoing that comes from our lives. And hopefully and prayerfully, the longer we're Christian, uh, we can get away from that, we can move away from that. And so Paul, I, I think he was still dealing with some of these same problems like you and I deal with. He was still dealing with, with problems in his flesh. And I believe he understood that. And, and that's why he says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He was trying to help us to see that it wasn't his life that he was living. If he had lived his life, he would have continued persecuting the church, but he was, con- he was now doing what God had called him to do, and he was going to do it as great as, and, and with as much fervor and with as much power and leadership of God that he could do. And he continues on there and he says, In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So even in the flesh, he realized, and he was trying to tell the people that I have to live by faith. I love that old blessed hymn, living by faith. Amen. There is no other way than living by faith once you're a child of God. Because if we try to live by our own merit, by our own understanding, we're going to fail every single day. And so I live by faith. And you live by faith as a child of God. And Paul says, I'm living in the flesh, but I'm living in the flesh by faith. And I do this of the Son of God. I'm not living by faith in myself. I'm not living by faith in uh, the the president. I'm not living by faith by by some governor. Or I'm not living by faith in, in this person over here or that person over there. I'm living by faith in the Son of God. And it's in the Son of God that we must put our faith and our trust in. I know tonight we're coming up on an election, aren't we? And uh, it's out there. And there's all kinds of things going on around and all kinds of mudslinging here and there like it is in any election, you know. And I'm just going to be honest with you tonight, dear friends. Uh, I'm not living by my faith in my president right now. And I call him my president, amen. I'm not living by faith in maybe their president that they might want to put in there. I'm not living by faith of Him. I'm I'm not living by faith even of a church or a denomination tonight. I'm living by faith in the Son of God. And His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? And and so we look at these things tonight, and and I, I see Paul, and he's telling us something very important. He's given us an understanding, and actually even a challenge here, that when Christ is in us, that we live a different life. We don't live the same life that we used to live. The, the life of, of, of hellacious things and, and problems and trials and, and meanness and, and, and breaking people's hearts and things like that. We live a life because if Christ is really in us, we live a life of faith because God is there leading us and guiding us through His Holy Spirit. And so Paul, he had two great revelations in his life. The first was on his way to uh, Damascus there. And that was the revelation of salvation. Uh, Jesus came and revealed Himself unto him, did He not? And then the second revelation was when He writes to the Galatians here in this uh, epistle here. And when He writes to the Galatians, He says that Christ has revealed Himself in him. In him. That's what He says here. He says, uh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He, Christ had revealed Himself in in Paul. Now, what that means is that when you and I get saved, we come to an an understanding or knowledge of Jesus Christ in our life. And we know that we're not led by ourselves anymore. We know that now we're led by the Holy Spirit and we're led by the things that God tells us in His Word. And the more we read and we study the Word of God, we begin to be led of those things and it helps us to live our life for God, you see. Instead of living our life for the devil like we used to, now those things that are within us helps us to live our life for God. And he continues to encourage us and strengthen us through that revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, in the the back of your Bible, uh, right before you get to the maps and all those things like that, is the revelation. And it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And John, when God revealed those things unto him, he was telling him about the the life of, of Christ and what he was to him, and what he was going to be to him, and what it would be hereafter there. And so Paul here, a different apostle, a different man of God, God reveals himself unto him as well. And when you and I get saved, God does the very same thing to us. He lets us know that this is Jesus. I'm coming into your heart. I'm coming in. I'm going to live in your heart, and I'm going to do these things for you if you'll just allow me. The problem is, is we get in the way, don't we? Self-righteousness, self itself gets in the way and and we want to uh, do things that we want to do instead of doing things that God asks us to do. And so I want to share with you just a few thoughts on the subject of when Christ is in me. Our testimonies and our fruit bearing will not be full until we see Christ in us. In other words, when... We are called to do a job that God has called us to do. We are called to witness, are we not? We are called to share Christ. We are called to lead people to the Lord. We are called to live that, that life for Christ. And, and we cannot do that if Christ is not seen within us as well. Now I can guarantee tonight, after reading and studying about the history of Paul and what he did before his name was changed to Paul and before he got saved, I can see that, honestly, he was different than he was. Amen? When he got saved, he was totally different. When, when Christ came in him, there was a, a change in his life. There was a new prospect. And, and Paul was a, a, a very learned man. He, he studied in the courts of Gamal, in the highest courts of the Sanhedrin. and He was probably one of the next in line to be the chief priest. And he learned these things. As a Pharisee, he learned these things and the understanding of that and breathed out threatenings even still yet against the church. But boy, when he got saved, he wasn't breathing out threatenings against the church. He was breathing out threatenings against those that came against the church, wasn't he? (laughs) Woo! you never seen a preacher that would preach. I mean, he did not mind getting up in your face and telling you what Jesus said. Amen? And don't we need preachers like that today? It used to be that way years ago. It used to be that preachers didn't mind to preach the Word of God. They weren't afraid of losing a pulpit or or they weren't afraid of, of, of somebody getting mad at them or upset with them. They would preach, Thus saith the Lord. And they preached it with fervor and fire and power. And that was a blessing. And many people got saved and great revivals happened and churches sprung up. Even churches just like this sprang up and grew. And Paul, there, there in Asia Minor, began to preach and teach and learn as God would have him to. And he began to realize that Christ was in him. And with Christ in him, he was going to let Christ do the work of leading him and guiding him. And he was just going to follow along and enjoy the ride. Amen. <laughs> so when Christ is in us tonight, I want you to think about that subject. We, we find that we must be a brand new creature. Tonight, if Christ is in you, you are changed. You're not the same as you used to be. You're a brand new creature tonight. Uh, Death no longer rules and reigns over you. You know, the Bible tells us, I mentioned it this morning, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so if the wages of sin is death, that means death rules over you and reigns over you before you're a child of God. But once we get saved, once the power of God is within us, death no longer rules us, dear friend. That's why I can go to a funeral tonight or in the morning or sometime of a saying of God and I can praise God because death did not rule that body. So when we get saved, when Christ is in us, we've become that new creature. Death no longer rules and reigns over us. Only the life-giving power of Christ can defeat death though. We look out there and we find other things in in our world that we try to make happen we try to make it fit in this little this little uh, square hole or a little triangle hole that that we've got fixed up for our lives and we've got fixed up for our eternal uh, understanding or our our being if you will and it won't fit nothing fits except for christ amen we try. We try to be good. We try to live our lives and uh, we try to uh, honestly do things that we think we should do. And, and yet we still can't do that in spite of, of our own selves. And we get broken down. So the old man has to be dead. Y'all heard that song, haven't you? The old man is dead. The old man is dead then. We're not talking about your daddy or your grandpa, neither, by the way. We're talking about that old man of sin. Christ must be trusted and received to end death. If you and I are in this life as a child of God, death has ended for you. We're on the way for living. We're not worried about death anymore. Death, you know, death just brings us closer home to God. Amen. And if we don't die, we're going to see him in the rapture and go home with him in the rapture and so that's even better, you know, dear friend. And so uh, death does not control us tonight. It does not control me. Now I know I'm getting older, and, and my body tells me that. Brother, you talked about weight a while ago. Have mercy. I've put on some here recently, you know. And, and my body is older now, and it doesn't do as well with it as it used to. <laughs> you know, I used to be able to jump about that high, and now I can only jump about like that. <laughs> And so as we get older, these things begin to happen to us and death is, is creeping into our bodies. But in my spirit, in my soul, death has no control over me because I know that one day I'm going to heaven. I'm pleased to have my mom and dad with us in the service tonight and and um, uh, dad has been fighting cancer. and um, We don't know how much longer dad's going to be here, only God knows that. But in his body, he's fighting those things of death. But in his spirit, because he knows he's saved, he, he's ready to go. Amen? And, and he's okay with that. And that's a blessing. But you see, when Christ is in you, that, that's the thing that comes to you. You have become a new creature, and all those old things have passed away, and now you've got new things that are in front of you. Blessings and, and, and peace and an and understanding of life now that you've never seen before life of, of heaven life of, of an eternity with God an eternity with angelic hosts and eternity with apostles I, I, I I'm looking forward to going and talking to old Moses <laughs> uh, and being a preacher I you know I want to ask him this I said did you ever get aggravated them people down there you know <laughs> and I know you must have because you threw the stone tablets and broke them you know? <laughs> oh listen I, I, I want to I want to get up there and I want to find Jesus. And I want to sit at his knees. I want to ask him if he'll let me sit up on his knee. Amen. (laughs) And just talk to him a little bit. I like that old song. Jesus walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And I know every day of my life he's walking with me right now but I'm looking forward to the day that I can walk with him up there. Amen. Down those streets of gold. So number one tonight if we We're going to have Christ in us. We're going to be a new creature. But number two, we're going to be a temple of God. A temple of God. Now, this building that we're in is just a building. Amen? It does not really truly become church until you and I come in this building. Because we are the body of Christ. And as we come into this building, it becomes a church. It's a church building, if you will. But when we come in here, the church is here. The church is alive and well. And so we, ourselves, as individual Christians, we are the temple of God. He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 16, he says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. That means God dwells within us. It's a place where God lives, if you will. Uh, I used to pastor many years ago in South Carolina, and... Uh, uh, in South Carolina, I was talking to them about living places, and they don't li- when they talk about where they uh, live at, they don't say, I live anywhere. They say, I stay here. And actually, a lot of them says I stays. I stays over yonder, <laughs> you know. I stays on, over on that little hill over there. Uh, they don't live there. They stays there. Well, uh, God dwells here, Amen. He stays right here in my heart and, and I'm so thankful that He is here. I'm so thankful that He is dwelling inside of me. Even right now as I'm preaching this message, He's right here helping me to, to pronounce the words, to give you the thoughts and the understanding from the Word of God that He wants me to give to you. And I want to be that temple of God. And I look around us in a lot of churches sometimes and I, I see things that are done in churches that shouldn't be done, but I also see things that are done in our bodies that shouldn't be done as well. Amen? God's Holy Spirit lives in us. And God's Holy Spirit is not it. It is He, the Holy Spirit. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they all make up one God. Amen? And, and our Lord and Savior is the, is the Savior of this world. But, but thank God, when He left this earth, He brought into us the, the Holy Spirit that dwells now, not only within us, but in this world. It saddens my heart to know that one day when the rapture takes place, that not very long after that, the Holy Spirit will be taken out of this earth. And that wooing and drawing that the Holy Spirit brought into each and every one of us when we got saved, that that feeling that we know that, that the Lord is in us won't be here anymore. The temple of God, you and I are as a child of God. We're to live our lives and govern our lives and and let our lives shine as that temple of God. When I was a very young preacher, I was in college and was sitting there one night and was reading and I got to thinking about it and I looked over there in Scripture and I found where God said that nothing should come into my body that would contaminate this body. And I got to thinking about drugs and alcohol and things like that that I had taken before I got saved. And it broke my heart because I knew i disobeyed God. And I realized then that I did not want to let anything else come in this body that would harm God or that would harm the Holy Spirit. I guess, honestly, it's really at that point in time, it's really when I finally realized that God's Holy Spirit really was in me. Amen. I knew I was saved. I knew I was called to preach, but it was at that point in time that I, it actually, the light came on, you know. And I thought, well, wow. <laughs> I, I need to start being different. I need to start being better. Amen. And even though I was in college, learning to do things in a church, going through classes and things there in Bible college and and trying to, to get an understanding of everything that, that I needed to do to be a preacher, a good preacher, and all really I needed to do was just listen to Christ who was already in me. Amen. We are a temple of God. Number three, not only if Christ is in us are we a new creature and a temple of God, but we also find that we're governed by His will. We're governed by His will. If you tonight have Christ living in you, you're not governed by your will, again, as I mentioned a while ago, or by your self-righteousness. Jesus spake, not my will, but thine be done. Remember when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And the Bible says that he, he prayed and his sweat became as great drops of blood. And he says this, he says, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And many other times he mentioned in the New Testament about his will being done. Not, not Jesus' will, but the Father's will. He came to do the will of God, not the will of Jesus the man. He came to do the will of God the Father. And you and I, when Christ lives within us because of our salvation, we come to a point and realize that we're living here in this world not for the things that I want to do and not my will to be accomplished, but that will of God. And the will of God, when Christ came here, He said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. So my will should be the will of the Father and the will of the Father and the will of Jesus was to seek and save that which is lost. So you and I today, the will of each and every one of us should be that we see people saved and we're actively doing those things. Governed by His will. Not just have His will, but governed by it. The house that's divided falls pretty quickly, doesn't it? And if Christ is in you, and remember you are the temple of God or the house of God, and if God is within you and you've got one will over here and God's got His will over here, something's going to crumble pretty quickly, isn't it? And so it has to be the fact that our will becomes gone and His will becomes the one, the the only one. And the the predominant thoughts of our mind and, and our lives should be to do what He asks us to do. Now Paul, we go back to the Apostle Paul and back to our Scripture, and Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. It, it, Paul realized that he had to do those things that God was leading him to do and pushing him to do. And eventually, because he was, his will was gone now, now, God's will had now become his will, and he wanted to do these things. It's just like you and I tonight. uh, We we came to church, didn't we? I came to church not because I was made to come to church, not because God wills me to come to church, but because God does will me to be here and now I will myself to be here too because it's God's will. I want to be in the house of God. If the doors are open, someone said that earlier tonight when I was speaking to them, if the doors are open, you want to be here. Amen? Yet so many people forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But yet they say they're Christians. Amen? So what will is it there? Is it the will of God or is it their self-will still there? It must be the will of God. It must be the leadership of our lives. It must be the thing that's pushing us forward. It must be God's will. We're governed by it. God's will within me is the remedy for several things. Number one is the remedy for unruly passions. If God's will is, is in my life and I'm letting the will of God do these things that it should do, there will not be unruly passions in my life. And what is an unruly passion? Well, Paul talk, talks to uh, young Timothy and he tells Timothy about some things. Timothy is about 19 years of age when he starts pastoring the church there. And he's, he's confused a little bit because he's got some people in the church that don't like him, you know. He's got some people in the church that's causing him problems. They're asking questions. And and he writes to Paul and he talks to Paul about these things. And and as he talks to Paul about these things, he begins to get an understanding of this. But Paul also warns him, remember to be careful of youthful lust. Unruly passions. He's young. He's at that point in time, I'm assuming uh, from history and what I've read, that he's unmarried as well. And, And you know, there's all kinds of things that happen out there. Not just because he's a preacher, but any time to any of us as a child of God, there's all kinds of fleshly things that come into us and, and, and are presented unto us as well. All types of fornication and things that are presented unto us and if we cater to that, if we go on our will, we'll fall to that. But if we're going on the will of God, amen, we look at that and say, get thee behind me, Satan, and we'll walk away from it. And so we have to do that, you see. So, when we are governed by the, the will of God, it becomes the remedy for those unruly passions. Number two, it becomes the, uh, the remedy for ungovernable tempers. <laughs> Anybody got a temper out there? <laughs> well, thank you, ladies, for being honest. <laughs> Brother, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. You know, probably every one of us have a little bit of a temper, you know. Uh, we get mad every once in a while, don't we? Um, but our our, our temper is something that that hurts us sometimes. Uh, I've seen children throw temper tantrums and if they don't get their way they get in the floor and they kick and scream or holler you know. I've been down in the Walmart here in in Galax and and I've been in there and and some little child didn't get the toy or something or maybe didn't get the, the name brand of something that they thought they wanted in food item and and, and they told Mama, well, I, I, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And Mama and Daddy says, no, you're not. You're really going to get it if you don't listen. And then get down on the floor and they start kicking and screaming or start hollering, you know. Aggravates me. You know, Mama and Dad just take that young up, jerk a knot in its bottom. Amen? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm old-fashioned. I think, you know, we've gotten so politically correct in our world and socially correct, I guess you would say, that we forget to reprimand our children sometimes. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't think beating is right. You shouldn't beat a child. But you should help that child to understand that correction is something that that they're going to have to expect all through life. And if you don't teach them when they're young, they're going to have a big problem with that when they get older. And isn't that the world that we're living in right now? A lot of older children. <laughs> they're still children. They might be adults, but they're still children. They're living as though there's been no, no, no type of correction at all in their lives. God says their, their life has been spoiled. Isn't it? And so we find then that those ungovernable tempers, I'm not just talking about children, but sometimes we do it, uh, We were uh, in a store, it's been several years ago, and there was a, uh, on the rack, there was a little button there. And I I can't now remember exactly what the button was called, but it was a red button, and you could take that thing and you could put it in your car or your truck, whatever your automobile was, and you could put that thing there. And when someone pulled out in front of you and pulled right back off in front of you, you know, you could take that button and you could push that button and it would say everything that you wanted to say but didn't want to say. Amen. (laughs) Amen. It didn't cuss or anything like that, but it would, It would, you know. We get tempers, don't we? And I find myself, when, when my temper flares up, that's when I get in the biggest trouble. That That's when uh, I, I get, uh, God just, I mean, just royally whips me, you know, <laughs> and shows me how wrong I am. So when Christ is in us, and the will of God is predominant in our lives, then that, that, That unruly temper, that that ungovernable temper, if you will, is gone. And then we find number three, when God's will is in us, the remedy is also for unfruitful testimonies. I told you a while ago that our job in this life as a child of God is to, to do what he came to do. And that's to seek and save that which is lost. And if you and I as a child of God are not seeking and saving that which is lost, we have an unfruitful life. Now, there's many other things that you and I are to do as a child of God, but that's the number one thing we're to do is to to lead people to the Lord. Now, you may have or you may not have led many people to the Lord, but are you working at it? Are you trying to get that done? Are you, are you learning these things? Are you, are you trying to share the Word of God? Are you learning Scripture and, and trying to encourage people to be saved? Are you, are you having a, a testimony at all or a witness at all? Someone asked me, said, preacher, how do you lead someone to the Lord? I said, well, I said, honestly, the, the best way i found is just tell them exactly what happened to you. Amen. I mean, you can take the Scripture, you can take the Roman road, you can take all different kinds of Scriptures and and they're there and we're to use the Scripture. But listen, dear friend, the best way to tell someone about salvation and about Jesus is tell someone what Jesus has done for you. And tell how that you accepted that and what was going on and when those things happened to you. So this, this unfruitful testimony that some of us have, we find that, it reveals unto us that the will of God really is not there in our lives or not predominant. And so we find also tonight, if, if Christ is in us like He was in Paul, we find that, uh, number four, that uh, we don't want for anything. We don't want for anything. Now, there may be things in your life that you think you need, but we really don't need them. Amen. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, I think I need a brand new truck. (laughs) But God doesn't think that I need that brand new truck, and so I'm still driving the one that I have, amen? (laughs) Well, we don't want for anything. I'm not talking about little things like that. I'm talking about what he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He tells us there that we have the unsearchable riches of Christ. What are the unsearchable riches of Christ? It's all that spiritual understanding and knowledge that he gives unto us, I think. Now, to you, it may be something different. It's about the glory and joy that I'm going to enjoy in heaven one day when I I get to be with him there. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Christ has everything that you need, different. and if he's in you, you don't want for anything. You know, uh, we have little desires and things that, that we'll always have in this physical body. But as God's will continues to consume you and take over you, uh, those things become diminished and and they become smaller to you and, and you don't want them as much as you used to. That's why when you got saved, if you was an alcoholic and you get saved, God takes that taste for alcohol away from you. Amen? That's why if you smoked before you got saved and and you got saved and and God took that that taste of that that cigarette away from you, that taste for that tobacco away from you. Or well, maybe it was something else, maybe it was a it was an eye problem that you had. And I'm talking about things that we see with our eyes and and you had that problem and you got saved and God took that problem away from you. Now sometimes he doesn't take all those problems away from us immediately, oh. does he? Some of those those things still mingle around the fringes. And sometimes they still crop back up and, and they'll reach back out and try to grab a hold of you. But that's when the will of God is most important, you see. Because that's when you realize that with God in my life, with Christ in me, I don't want anything. I don't want that other person. I don't want that other thing. I don't want that other vehicle. Lord, I'll accept what you've given me. Amen. And I'll be glad that I have that. You just take for Take what God gives you and be thankful for it. And that's hard sometimes. It's hard for young people to understand that because I found in my life through my own children and the lives of other teens and people that I have been around in my ministry is this, that young people think that when they get to a certain age, they've got to have the same thing that mom and daddy has. Do they not? It doesn't always work that way, does it? You gotta, it takes time. It took time for mom and dad to acquire these things. It's going to take you some time to do that. So we, we find the unsearchable riches of Christ. We find the, the blessings that we don't want for anything. Number five tonight. We find also that if Christ is in a sinful pleasure, will have no attraction for you. The Bible tells us that there's pleasure in sin for what? A season. Now, when I think of a season, I think of the four seasons that we have. Spring, summer... Fall and winter. I had to stop and think about that. I forgot one of them. <laughs> I think of the seasons. I think of them just being a short amount of time. Sometimes that season, that that sin brings you pleasure. It might be longer than one of the others. You have to be careful. Because this flesh is, is calling out for those things. The flesh in our, in our bodies, uh, uh, this, this flesh that Needs to die daily, if you will. It's calling out for those things. It's begging for those things. Even Paul, the apostle, he prays and he asks Jesus, he says, take away the thorn in my flesh that I have. And the Lord told me, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. I don't know what that thorn was. Some say it was his eyesight, a problem seeing. Some say it was this. Some say it was something else. Listen, maybe it was one of these temptations or something. And maybe he would, maybe it bothered him with these things. And so we find then that sinful pleasure has no attraction for you. It can be paraded in front of you, danced around in front of you and everything else, and you just, you just don't care for it. Amen. And the world today, I've never seen a time in the life that I have lived on this earth, I'm 55 years old and I've never seen a time on this life that I now live on this, this round earth, if you will, that there's so much the devil's throwing out there for us to draw us away. He's used COVID-19 to do it. He's used this election. He's used racism. He's used shootings and rapes and things like that to draw us away. He uses Hollywood and the media and social media to pull us away. So many different opportunities now for you and I to be pulled away and drawn away by the lust of our flesh. But God tells us if the will and Christ is in us as sinful pleasures, we don't want them anymore. No traction. He tells us this, he said, if any man love the world and the love of the Father is not in him, what's the problem there? He basically is saying that you don't have Christ in you. And that's what this whole message was about, isn't it? Is if Christ is in me. And I'm I'm afraid tonight. I'm afraid that there's a lot of people sitting on pews of Baptist churches, independent Baptist churches tonight, that they thought they were saved. They think they're saved. But they're drawn away by the lust every single day of their lives. And they come back on Sundays if they do, or come back on Wednesdays if they're that faithful. And they come to the house of God and they sit in the house of God knowing that they've done these wrongs and never come to the altar and get those things right. And continue to live that life. And continue to come and sing in a choir or sing music or to sing in the congregation or do things around the church that they that they have been doing for years. And That happens because it just becomes work for us, you know, instead of a joy and a blessing. And they have no Christ in them. They have a semblance of something there, but Christ is really not there. I want tonight to make sure that every one of you have Christ in your heart. Now I've talked to some of you this morning and after there at lunch and even this afternoon uh, here in the church and, and rather in the evening talk to you some and, and I know Christ is in some of you folks amen I have no doubt in, that, in my mind about that but you know friends you've probably got family and friends that Christ is not in them I talked to a lady this morning and she has a family member that is lost she asked me, she said, preacher, will you pray for her? And I said, yes, I will. And I went home and I prayed for her. I prayed for her on the way home, but I prayed for her at home as well. Young girl needs salvation. That's my hope and my prayer that she gets saved and she gets right with God. The whole life to live in front of her, whatever God has for her to live, and yet she could throw it all away by not accepting God. And that's just one. So tonight, Christ needs to be in us, doesn't he? We need to have the will of God in us. And that will of God brings the peace of God into our lives. And then we find something else tonight. And I'm going to try and close with this and the next two thoughts. That if Christ is in us, we're willing to sacrifice for others willing to give of yourself, to give that which you don't think sometimes that you have to give, you still keep on giving, amen? Sometimes it's your money, sometimes it's your time, sometimes it's even your talents and your abilities that you give. You just keep sacrificing and keep giving. Pastors do that. Pastors are called to preach and called to do these things, but they're sacrifices that pastors live through to do what they do in a church. You do it as a church member. There's sacrifices that you give up and things that you give up so that you can be in the house of God tonight. I mean, listen, if if you weren't here tonight, you could be home watching MacGyver on television, you know. And seeing what cool things he makes out of nothing. I, I like what your pastor said this morning <laughs> about rather being here, amen. I like being in the house of God. There's just something about being in the house of God and feeling the presence of God's people and the beautiful spirit that's there. When you sing those songs and I, on this end, look out and see your faces and you, on that end, look back and see this face. There's something special about that. It's something I don't want to trade for anything. And, and dear friends, it takes sacrifice to do that. It takes sacrifice for a mom and dad to bring your children to church and keep them in church. Especially in the day and the hour that we live in. When children don't want to come, well, you're going anyway. Amen? <laughs> there were times when our children, we have two, two children, a son and a daughter. They're both married, and I have four grandchildren, and, and precious, precious to me. But there's times even when they didn't want to go to church, and they're the preacher's kids, you know. They were the PKs. Everybody looked to them. All the kids in the church looked to them. And and they had to be something, you know. And I just told them, I said, just be be yourself. And let the Lord lead you and guide you. And sometimes they were themselves. They'd get up on Sunday morning and say, Daddy, we're not going to church again, are we? And I'd say, yes, we are. I don't want to go, Daddy. Well, you are going. (laughs) Well, you see, there's sacrifice there. My children had to sacrifice what they wanted to do because that there was a greater purpose. And that greater purpose and that higher calling was our Lord and our Savior. It was what Dad did. And when they got saved, uh, it, it became real to them. My daughter came to me one Sunday night when she was six years old. I pastored in South Carolina at that time. And she came to me and she said, she said Daddy, she she said come in my bedroom and talk to me and I went in her bedroom and talked to her and and she said daddy she said I want to get saved I want to get saved I don't want to die and go to hell and I sat right there on her bedside and I led her to the Lord I was preaching a revival in South Carolina just a about a year later and my son came up he was four years old at that time came up to the altar and I'd given the altar call, and there were several people. I'd went down and prayed with them. And, and all of a sudden, here comes my little son coming up, and, and he kneels down right here. And I look at him, and I'm thinking, what is he doing, you know? And then I watched him, and he kept kneeling on his head, and he was crying. And I went over to him, and I said, son, I said, why are, why are you come? Why did you come up to the altar? I said, are you misbehaving? He said, no, daddy. He said, I want to get saved. I led my son to the Lord right there in that church. I'm thankful today. Both my kids, they're saved and they love the Lord. My grandchildren, they're not yet to that point to be saved, but they're being taught the right things, amen? They're in church in in a good, fundamental, independent Baptist church, and they're being taught. And that's the blessings that you receive, you see, of having the will of Christ and letting that lead you and, and having Christ inside of you. And the, the things that comes about that is, is, is far surpassing than the sacrifices that you give up. If I could have any of those things back, I wouldn't take them. Amen? Wouldn't take a one of them. Service to God is not just about our motives. It's about the service that we can give unto God. First John chapter 4 and verse uh, 4 tells us that he says greater is he that is within me than within the world. Amen. And I have to I have to see that I have to focus on that every single day of my life that greater is he that is within me than he that is in this world. Because if I don't, I'll get to looking at the world and I'll get to looking at those sacrifices that I made and and I might get drawn back to it. And I don't want to do that. I want to live for my Lord every day. In closing, we find that when Christ is in us, that we become more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. And we must not forget that the battle is the Lord's, you see. We find favor with our Lord when we do that. David, there in the Valley of Elah, realized that the battle battle was not his, it was the Lord's. And he took his sling and he, he swung the stone around and boy I tell you it was the last thing Goliath ever saw wasn't it? And David made sure of that because then he went up and he took the sword of Goliath and that had to be a big old sword and David being a young boy and he picked that old sword up and cut Goliath's head off. He wanted to make sure. And that's what you and I have to do. We have to We have to cut the head of that old devil off if we're going to make sure that we're conquerors. Amen. But God doesn't tell us that we're just conquerors. He says that we're more than conquerors. Amen. So the battle is the Lord's. The battles that you and I face tonight in in politics or in in disease or in, in family troubles or in church or in our work or our jobs, these battles belong to God. They don't belong to me tonight, and I must give it to God. And when I give it to God, I must leave it with Him. That's where we find favor. But where do we find faith? We find faith where we realize that we can do all things through Christ. Isn't that what Philippians tells us? Paul reminds us that we can do all things through Christ, which gives us the strength. He strengthens me. I can get up here and preach tonight. Because of the Lord's strength. You can come to church tonight because of the Lord's strength. You can face that old devil because of the Lord's strength tonight. Because the battle is not yours. And that faith has been built by Christ living inside of you. Christians will find themselves hidden with Christ. And they come into contact with principalities and powers and things that are out there in our world. Rulers of darkness and wicked spirits that are out there. But if Christ is in us, we can conquer it. Amen? We conquer because of our faith and God's willingness to help us those He calls sons and those He calls daughters. Do you know that God's Word is gender perfect? This King James Bible is gender perfect. (laughs) That means when He says son, He's talking about sons and daughters, male and female alike. You don't have to go out there and find one of these new translations or perversions, I call them. You know? Because when Christ is in you, you know that the word that you have right here, this is the Bible for me. Amen? And you can conquer all those others that are out there. It's always bothered me that these different perversions of the Word of God when we see them out there, that, um, that they take things out. You know? Or they change the wording around and make it sound in such a way to fit our scheme. Well, that, in my mind, brings me back to what I talked about a while ago about self-righteousness and our will and not God's will. And isn't it supposed to be about God's will? If Christ is in us, then, dear friend, it is His will. And we then become the conqueror if we'll trust in that. So tonight, friend, are you a conqueror? Are you more than a conqueror tonight? Is Christ living inside of you tonight? Is the will that you have the will of God that's pushing you and moving you forward? Or do sometimes you find the will of yourself pulling you to the side? If you do find it that way, dear friend, I'm asking you tonight to come to this altar and get... That straightened out with God. Amen. You know, we have to do it sometimes as well. Preachers do. We get drawn away. We get pulled to the right or to the left. And we have to get in a meeting like this or a meeting with preachers and and say, look, you know, the devil's fighting me and I just got to get these things right. Sometimes we have to ask for prayer. Sometimes we just go directly to the source and say, God, here I am. Help me. Amen. So let's be more than a conqueror tonight. Whatever that battle is that you're facing tonight, remember it's the Lord's. Amen. And have faith through it, and he'll give you victory. Victory that only Christians can understand. And one day, we'll know it all when we stand with the Lord in heaven. What sweet, sweet peace that brings to my heart tonight. And to yours as well, I hope. I'm going to ask you to stand tonight. <clears throat> Sister, will you come play some number of invitation? We're not going to ask for a song director to come tonight. I'm just going to ask her to play and, and just sing whatever number the Lord's laid on Play, rather, whatever number the Lord's laid on her heart. Um, I started out this message by talking to you about the mind of Christ. And I cannot have the mind of Christ If Christ is not in me I want the mind of Christ I want to keep the mind of Christ I want Christ to always stay in me I want to do His will I want to follow Him I want to shout for Him Amen I want to jump for Him if He says jump I want to run for Him I want to sit for Him Whatever it is Now what about you friend? What about you? Maybe there's something in your life right now that you need to pray for. A friend, a family member, a situation is coming up and God's asking you right now to come to this altar and pray. Pray for that need. Pray for that situation. A lost person. Maybe someone who's doing their thing. They're following their will instead of God's will. I'm asking you tonight to come to this altar and kneel. You don't have to tell me anything, but dear friend, I want you to tell God. And I want you to tell Him your heart. Will you come right now? Will you walk this old-fashioned aisle here and kneel down at this old-fashioned altar and talk to the Lord? I know we've been here a little while tonight, but friend, is it not worth it tonight to spend another minute for the Lord? Will you come? Whatever that need may be. Maybe you're lost tonight. Maybe you need Jesus as your Savior. And I'm going to ask you to come tonight. You see, these things that we've talked about tonight, you can't have any of those things without Christ being in you. And Christ being in you means that you've accepted Him as your Savior. How about it, friend? Will you come tonight? Will you come? Will you share with God your your heart and let go of your will and let God have his How about it friend?